0: to open the scriptures it's time for bible with the barbers now here's terry and mary danielle welcome,
1: welcome to the barbers on this friday july the 28th thank you for joining us we'll begin in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen come a holy spirit fill the hearts of the faithful and kindle on them the fire of thy love and we ask the angels to join us and give us light. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth. Pleni Sunceli Terra, Gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus, quiveni to Nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Let us pray. Pour forth we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So here we are on Friday, July the 28th, 2023, and we're going to talk about apocalyptic times. Are we living in apocalyptic times? And what does that mean? You know, we hear people referring to our present age as apocalyptic. And this may may or may not be the case in the sense of what people mean, but what do they mean by it? And that's, that's a good question. But the reality as Christians is this is how we see it since the ascension of Christ into heaven, we are living in the end times. Therefore, all the last 2,000 years, in a certain sense, have been apocalyptic. Well, where do we get this idea? Well, let's take a few scripture passages. Hebrews 1, 2. In these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. So Hebrews 1 talks about, in times past, God spoke to his people in many and varied ways through the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. And then in 1 John 2.18, we have children. It is now the last hour. Well, what is this last hour? The last hour is the final stage of salvation history. Um, And you can uh, see 1 Corinthians 10.11. The end of the ages is how Paul refers to it. And what are they referring to? Well, if you look in the Old Testament, the last days expression that's used in Hebrews 1-2, is the expression for the Messianic age. The Messianic age. We can see Numbers twenty four fourteen, Isaiah 2-2, Daniel 10-14, and Hosea 3-5. And it's referred to as the latter days. So there are two ages of history. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Peter will tell us in 1 Peter one He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest at the end of times for your sake. So at the end of times, the end of times, so the end is coming, right? So the people of the New Testament era were right, that the end of the world should have come immediately, right? Well, remembering that this is the Messianic age and that the time is short, can lead us to certain problems, problems of interpretation. Did this happen in the New Testament? Well, let's see now. We have Paul writing in the Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12. When we were with you, we instructed you that if anyone was unwilling to work, neither should that one eat. We hear that some are conducting themselves amongst you in a disorderly way by not keeping busy, but minding the business of others, acting like busybodies? So such people, we instruct and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to work quietly for the food they eat. And and this is valid today, too. So what happened? The people of you know they talked about the messianic age. This is the end of times. Oh, so the end of the world is coming. So we don't have to do anything. We're just going to sit there and wait for God to come. He's going to come and He's going to rapture us up and take us. Well, no, it doesn't quite work that way. We need to work quietly. We need to do our duty moment by moment, day by day, the duties of our state and life in union with Jesus Christ, who came and did His duty moment by moment, day by day. He is God's only Son, and that's why He existed before all time. He's He's not. As the son of God, he wasn't created. God is a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity. Now, the human soul and human body of Jesus Christ were created at a specific moment in time. They did not pre-exist the moment of the incarnation, the moment of the Annunciation to Mary. But the second person of the blessed trinity existed from all eternity as God. Now, he didn't exist from all eternity from the beginning as man. He became a creature at a specific point in history. So we if we get too caught up in this, well, it's the end of time and God is coming and we don't have to worry. We can sit back and put our feet up. And no, no, we can run into problems and we start not doing our duty. We start neglecting our duties. And this is a problem, okay? We have to fulfill the task. We have to f- fulfill the duties that God has put before us in this moment, the duties of our state in life. You know, we are living in difficult times. None of us will deny that, okay? But difficult times are times of great opportunity. Great opportunity. We live in times to give witness to Jesus. We live in this time. God made us for living in this time to give witness to Jesus Christ in this moment. All right? And we live in this time to pray and make sacrifice for sinners and to save souls, just as our Lord, our Lady Blessed Mother at Fatima, the angel came and taught the children how to make sacrifices for the conversion of sinners. Our Blessed Mother came and asked us to pray for the conversion of sinners. Why? Because we're forgetting to do these things. We're forgetting to make sacrifices. How do we make sacrifice? The angel said, make of everything you do a sacrifice by saying, Jesus, it is for love of you, for the conversion of sinners in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. You can say in reparation for my own sins. It's for my family members, for the church in this difficult time when there seems to be so much confusion. So Paul gives us the Christian ideal in Philippians. What does he say? Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do everything without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine like lights in the world. We aren't supposed to be living as if we have a finality in this world. We're not supposed to be living for pleasure. This is the difficulty. Christians have given into the pleasure culture. I just want to be comfortable. I just want an easy life. I just want my children to have health and wealth and prosperity wait a minute. (laughs) Jesus Christ did not come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. He didn't suffer so that we didn't have to. He suffered to redeem the meaning of human suffering. Remember, God didn't make sin, he didn't make death, and he didn't make suffering. But man sinned, and when man sinned, through one man's sin, death entered the world. And with it, all the suffering comes along. And so we as Christians, we are supposed to live in a genuinely Christian culture, but we don't most most of the time, okay? We go to the movies, we go to the entertainments of the world, we listen to the music of the world, we take the recreations of the world, we spend too much time on sports events, we spend too much time pursuing money. Like that, that song, there's that cute country western song, you know, Uh, He came to see the old man and the old man says, well, what have you been doing lately? He said, I've been chasing the dollar. And he said, well, let me give you a piece of advice if you're willing to listen. You know, don't be chasing the dollar. Buy dirt, buy dirt, you know. And then he says what? He says, I, I remember part of it. He says, you can send your roots down deep and your prayer, send your prayers up and your roots down deep. Add a few limbs to your family tree. Do what you love and call it work. And you can buy dirt. God ain't making any more of it. So buy yourself a piece of ground, work it, live for your family, live to serve your family and love your family. Don't live for entertainment. Don't live to pursue money. Don't live to pursue the things of this world because they're always going to be deceptive and you'll never have enough of them. There's this law of diminishing returns. Um, The more we have of this world's goods, the more we want of them and the less satisfied we are. So the harder we pursue them, by the way, I'm not making all this up on my own and I'm not doing all this on my own. I'm going to, you know, kudos here to the Opus Sanctorum Angelorum. I'm using their summer circular newsletter. But this is all very true. And we as Christians need to follow the angels in their following of God. We want to walk in union with the angels. And what did the angels complain to God about all of us sinners down here? Lord, that, that charge you gave me, that person you asked me to be guarded, he's such a sinner. He won't listen to nothing. He's so stubborn. He's so bullheaded no they don't they praise god night and day so they're not complaining they're not grumbling they're not questioning god's mercy or goodness <gasps> no i see that that the music i hear that music and i see that timer coming up and uh, well you know what you have to come back and tell all your friends and families please share this and join us here on bible with the barbers we're going to talk a little bit about more about the apocalyptic age and then how we Okay, don't go away. Please have everybody join us now. I'll let your friends and family know. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for all of those who support us. Be right back. Don't go away.
0: Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888 Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: So are we living in an apocryphal age? And if so, what does it mean? Well, As I said at the beginning, in a certain sense, ever since the ascension of our Lord back into heaven, the Apocryphal Age has been inaugurated because there are two ages of the world. The age that prepared for the coming of the Messiah and the age of the Messiah. We're supposed to be building the kingdom of God on earth, not a permanent kingdom where we'll live in a kingdom of God on earth, but the kingdom of God to spread God's word and glory to all men so that all men can join God in heaven. So God can draw all men to himself. This is what Jesus, all things were recapitulated in Christ Jesus and, and Christ draws all men to the father. So, but this apocryphal age doesn't mean that we sit back and just wait for the Lord to rapture us all up. And we better not be sitting around saying, well, all those bad people out there, God's gonna come and wipe them out. You know, well, as, as a good priest from the Opus Angelorum, who I'm borrowing some of their work today, uh, you can go online, look at op- opusangelorum.org. And uh, he always says, you know, if God came and wiped out all the bad guys uh, who's left, we're all bad guys. We're all sinners. We are all in this together. We all need to repent of our sins. It doesn't matter. You know, I can't say, well, I haven't committed that moral sin. I haven't got that. You know, it's like it's like the men who came to confession one night, the the, the the lumberjacks. And they'd been out in the woods for a long time and they come in and didn't really know how to examine their conscience very well. Whatever. And They walk the first one walks into the confessional and says, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I've broken all the Ten Commandments. I have committed every sin there is to me. The father said, wait, 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 hold up, hold up. up. Have you commit murder? Oh, no, father, I didn't commit that one. Okay, well, would you go out there and examine your conscience, do a better job, examine and then come back in when you're ready. So the lumberjack walks out and he looks at all the lumberjacks in line and says, forget it, guys, he's only here in murder cases tonight. (laughs) We're all sinners. We're all sinners. We all need to repent of our sins, Okay. So we do live in difficult times. We, we, live, we no longer live in a Christian culture. We certainly don't live in a Christian culture, and we know that. But does that mean that we can't be saints? God's called us all to be saints. How? Through our baptism, we are called to live a holy life and to live in union with God and to do our part to build his kingdom here on earth, all right? So we don't want to yield to the frustration. Or let our heads droop like, oh, woe is me. Remember Eeyore, you know, the Eeyore syndrome or always looking at myself. I'm so evil. I'm so wicked. I could never be a saint. God could never make a saint out of me. Well, you know what? You're right. You can if you keep looking at yourself. If, you, if we keep looking at ourselves, God can't do anything with us because that's actually pride in the reverse. That's not humility at all. It's, and God can't do anything with the proud. The scripture says God resists the proud. You, we need to humble ourselves before God, okay? And we're going to talk more about that in this in this program today. We hope we want to be humble before God, like little children, like little children. We don't want to yield to frustration. We don't want to droop our heads. We want to embrace the opportunity. What does Jesus tell us in Matthew five fourteen? You are the light of the world. A city, a city set on a hill, cannot be hid. If we allow the light of Christ to shine in and through us, people will see the light. Mother Teresa of Calcutta used to pick people up out of the streets and then she would take care of them. She would love them and she would serve them and she would bind up their wounds. And um, then she would say to them at some point, do you know Jesus? And they would say to her, oh, mother, is he anything like you? No, 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 no. But I try and be like him. As a matter of fact, she had that prayer, that beautiful prayer that I think John Henry Newman actually wrote, um, uh, radiating Christ, that Christ would shine in and through me, so to shine that others would see Christ in me. They'd see the light of Christ in me and the light would be all from Christ. None of it would be mine. It's a beautiful, beautiful prayer, radiating Christ. Uh, the mother, you can get it from the missionaries of charity. They, they That's the name of the prayer, radiating Christ. And so um, then the people would look at her and say, oh, mother, if he's anything like you, we want to know him. And the deal is, is she showed them great love. People who had been thrown on garbage heaps by their family members. And she picked them up, the untouchables in India. She picked them up and cared for them. And this is it. Do we do this in our family? Do we pick up the untouchables? Do we love them? Do we call, do we show them a great deal of love? Are we praying for them? And sometimes we can't always touch family members. It's too close. There's emotional problems or emotional obstacles, but we can pray and sacrifice for them and beg God to send someone into their life to help them. Okay. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to shine like Christ. We're supposed to be the the city on a hill that is illuminated with the light of Christ that shines through. And mother Gabriella, who was the Foundress of the Opus Angelorum, the work of the holy angels. She said, shine Jerusalem, even if the darkness of sin and corruption cover the world, if the pride of spirit spreads a darkness over the whole earth, you, O oh man, whom the angel leads, our guarding angel leads us, for whom the angel enlightens the way, our guarding angels enlighten the way. Shine and shine even more in your soul through the light of faith, of hope, of charity. Shine ever more through the word of God. Shine ever more through love, which you receive daily from the tabernacle. Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. Jesus gives himself to us in Holy Communion. John 6, the Last Supper. This is my body. This is my blood. So that your So that you purchase heaven with it and can bring along your brothers and sisters as well. Remember, we're not purchasing heaven with any merit of ours. It's the merits of Jesus Christ. When we receive Jesus, we are united to him. And if we unite our whole lives to us, everything in our life takes on infinite value because Jesus Christ is God. Yes, yes, yes. In other words, let Christ take possession of your soul. Let him enter into your life and the activities then you will bring him to others and others to him. This is, they will follow, they will love. And how do we do this? What is the way? And what did I say about children and pride? We humble ourselves like little children. Where do we get this idea? Well, who is our father? How did Jesus teach us to pray? Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We want to walk the spiritual, the way of spiritual childhood and the way of the angels, okay? The child walks on a path of what? Simplicity. Here, all the powers of the infernal power is vain against the childlike trust, the childlike openness and his cheerfulness. Now we have the priest. The priest walks the path of discipline, uh, of will, of mortification and penance, of zeal, for the salvation of souls. Remember, the priest is acting in persona Christi. He's bringing Christ through the sacraments to us. The angel carries the light in the lead. He is the mediator of knowledge and grace, help and strength. But we want to specifically focus here on the little way of spiritual childhood, which, by the way, St. Therese of Lisieux taught. And she's been declared a doctor of the church. And one of the popes, Pope Pius XII, I believe, said she's the saint for our day. She teaches us the way of littleness and humility before God. We want to be humble and trusting. A child who hasn't been spoiled trusts their father. Now, Paul, in one of his letters, says all discipline, when it is administered, is a cause for sadness. But it bears fruit for eternal life. Now, I'm paraphrasing there. So, yeah, it hurts when we're disciplined, when we get caught and what we did wrong. Our pride gets hurt. We want to defend ourselves. Oh, but I had a reason. I'm not really responsible. And it's like, no, let's humble ourselves before the Lord and say, you know what, Lord, I am weak. I'm weak and little. And you know what, God, without your grace, I'm not capable of any good. But you know what, Lord, as St. Gemma Galgani said, give Gemma Jesus in the Holy Eucharist and see how good Gemma can be. She wanted to live in union with God. She wanted to live this perfect union, to be faithful to God, to trust him in all things, to trust him. So God is the father. This has got to be one of the most consoling truths of our faith. It is true. God is love. Yes, God is mercy. God is good. But precisely as father, there is implied a covenant bond. What is a covenant bond? A sacred family bond. He makes us his own children. What does John say? Behave like God as his very dear children. Or is it Paul who says that behave like God? I'm saying that probably Paul and I'll see it further on because it's quoted here, but we'll see. So we have a relationship. God has a relationship with us. And Jesus told us never despise one of these little ones for their angels constantly behold their father's face in heaven. So this special relationship with all of his children. And because he is a father, it includes mercy, love, patience, forbearance, and solicitous care of a father to a degree infinitely greater than that of the best of all possible fathers. Remember, Jesus says in the gospel, what father among you, if his fa- if his child asks for a loaf of bread, would give him a snake, or asked, no, if asked for a um A fish would give him a serpent. Or if he asked for a loaf of bread, or asked for a fish would give him a scorpion. If he asked for a loaf of bread, would give him a stone. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to everyone who asks? Are we begging for the Holy Spirit, the light of the Holy Spirit to guide us, to direct us? So what do we have in the Catechism of the Catholic Church? Number 278. The personal relationship of the son of God to the father is something that man cannot conceive of, nor the angelic powers even dimly see. Yet the spirit of the son grants a participation in that very relationship to us who believe that Jesus is the Christ and that we are born of God. How do we know we're born of God? The scripture tells us so. Look at John 1, 1, the the prelude, the prologue to the gospel of John. So God is our father, right? In and through Christ, we become sons in the son. Jesus Christ is the son of God. And we become sons in the son. So, and this has two main corollaries. First, that God is the first origin of everything. And transcendent authority, and that he is at the same time goodness and loving care for all his children. So, God is the origin of everything, and he's the transcendent authority, and he has the same goodness and loving care for all of his children. You can see that in the Catechism of the Catholic Church 239. Thus, since he is our father and origin, we owe God both obedience, and also love, trust, and gratitude, and that of very dear children for all his tender mercies and care. We know that God is our Father. He made us. He didn't owe it to us. He made us to show forth his goodness and to share his happiness with us. And he gives us everything that we need in order to share that happiness. He gives us his own son. And we're up against another break. So we want to talk about this way of spiritual childhood and how this is the answer to live in the apocalyptic times that we live in, remembering that we have a long journey possible to so, go. don't know. But don't go away. Please tell your family and friends to join us. We'll be right back. This is Virgin Most Powerful Radio, Bible with the Barbers, on Friday, June the 20th, sad July. <laughs>
0: Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888 526 2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers this Friday, July the 28th, 2023. Um, Share this with all your family and friends. Let them know to join us. We're talking about apocalyptic times. What does that mean? And, And again, we don't want to get caught up in this idea that. God's coming soon. So we don't have to do anything. God may be coming soon for us. You know, the end of time will come for each of us at the moment of our death. And we don't know when that is. We've had several funerals of young people this week at the chapel. Um, Some of them very difficult because a young father died, a young woman died. Uh, These are people that aren't even 30 years old yet. And so, yeah, people die every day. We don't know. I remember as a, as a child, well, child, teenager, When I was in sixth grade, we had a family that we knew that had 11 children and one of their daughters, a girl who was two years older than I, she was in my sister, Jackie's class. She died of meningitis, eighth grade. A year later, their brother, Peter died in Vietnam. And about eight years after that, they had another brother who was shot in Los Angeles, not because he was involved in gangs. He just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he was accosted by some gang members that were underage. And it was tragic. I mean, it was hard. It was very hard on the family. Now, the fruit of that, and again, the suffering, all this. What's the the point of all that? Well, the fruit of that was their eldest brother eventually became a Carmelite priest in his 40s. And, uh, you know, God doesn't allow us to suffer except that he intends to bring a greater good out of that suffering. The salvation of souls. And here, their brother became a priest. But it was a great suffering for the whole family. Everybody suffered. And it's interesting because each one of those deaths impacted an individual in my own family in a specific way, because we were very close to that family. So, you know, it, it, it was, it's beautiful in suffering comes, and we see this in the lives of the saints, you know, like said, Trez of Zoo, her parents lost three children, all of their sons died. And yet all of their daughters became religious, and now they're Trez is canonized. Both Zelie and and, uh, and Louis Martin have been canonized. And I believe their daughter, um, Oh, um, there was Melanie, the one who seemed the most troubled, is her cause is up for canonization. And it may eventually be that all of them are canonized. But suffering, suffering can bring forth a great good. And God knows this. Jesus Christ suffered and God allowed him to suffer. He's a good father and a good. Kimberly Hahn had this. She she didn't really understand you know, here she had her husband had become Catholic and she had had this dream, you know, being the Protestant minister's wife, that she could minister to all these people. And it was wonderful. And he was going to teach in seminary and all these wonderful things. And then in 1990, he became Catholic. And um, she was like, oh, and it was hard for her because there were Protestant, Her Protestants, some of her Protestant friends were advising her to divorce him because obviously he became Catholic. Some of them believed that, well, Catholics can't be saved. And so, but she prayed about it and she continued to hang in there and she continued to pray. And when their daughter Hannah was born, as she was pregnant with Hannah, she had this inspiration from the Holy Spirit. This child is a child of reconciliation. So before Hannah was born, Kimberly went to Scott and said, Look, I want Hannah baptized in the Catholic Church. And Kimberly wasn't Catholic yet. And so, when Hannah was I don't remember she was two or three years old at some point Hannah got very very ill and she ended up in the hospital and Kimberly was staying at the hospital with her um, to help take care of her and one night in the middle of the night all the lights came on the nurses came rushing into the room and they're grabbing these freezing cold towels and they're putting them on Hannah and Kimberly's just standing there dumbfounded looking at her and Hannah is screaming out Mommy! Mommy! if you can imagine well the nurses looked at her and said, look, you can stand there like a bump on a log or you can help us. Your daughter's fever is 105 degrees. If we cannot get this down, this is life threatening. You you can either help us or possibly watch her die. So Kimberly started grabbing freezing cold towels and putting them on her daughter who's crying out, mommy, imagine 105 degree temperature and you put these cold towels on a child, even lukewarm towel, it's going to feel freezing cold. It's painful. And as Kimberly was doing this, it was as if God said to her heart, you see, Kimberly, I'm not causing you all this pain because I don't like you or because I'm punishing you. It's the suffering that I allow is for a greater good. I want to bring a greater good about. I want peace in your family. I want healing in your family. But it can't happen without suffering. And it was a great step toward Kimberly coming to understand the Catholic meaning, the Catholic teaching on suffering, which is the biblical teaching, that all of our sufferings can be offered up in union with Christ to help redeem the world because we too are children of God. We are sons in the Son. The Father, that God is our Father, is also a call which demands our response. First, the call to become like God. Behave like God is his very dear children. We were created in his image, but sin destroyed that image in us. So we were restored to the likeness by grace, to his likeness by grace. And we have to respond to that grace. We can either accept it or reject it. It's up to us. Catechism of the Catholic Church, 2784. We must remember and know that when we call God our Father, we ought to behave as his sons, said St. John Chrysostom in his commentary on the Lord's Prayer. And then we have a quote from St. I'm sorry, that was St. Cyprian. St. Cyprian's commentary on the Lord's Prayer. And St. John Chrysostom said, You cannot call the God of all kindness your father if you preserve a cruel and inhuman heart. For in this case, you no longer have in you the marks of the Heavenly Father's kindness again, this was St. John Chrysostom on the Lord's Prayer. So we have to have the heart of God in us, a forgiving heart, a heart that says, I will forgive my neighbor. Whoever hurts me, I will forgive them. Now That doesn't mean I have to let people walk all over me and abuse me. But I make the act of the will to forgive. And I ask the Lord to show me the way to emotional healing so that my emotions can come alongside my will and my body as well as my soul can forgive at some point. Jesus himself tells us to imitate the unconditional love of the father. Who what? Who makes his son to rise on the bad and the good and causes his reign to fall on the just and the unjust. That is by love to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, Matthew 5:48. remember? So following Christ and united with him, Christians can strive to be imitators of God as beloved children who walk in love, Ephesians 5, 2. So behave like God as his very dear children who walk in love. And by conforming our thoughts and actions to the mind which is in you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. What is that? We look at that in Philippians 2, 5. Have this mind in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Son, though he was, he became obedient unto death. It was, even though he was God, he humbled himself and took on human form. And it was thus that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And again, there's more on that in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, 1694. So we want to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. But in order to do so, we strive to forgive others. And when we don't forgive and this even even human psychology tells us when people refuse to forgive, it actually becomes destructive to themselves. When someone has hurt us, if we hold a grudge and harbor hatred or resentment for that person in our heart, we give that person control over our lives and we're not free. We make bad choices and that hatred will spill over toward the ones that we love. We have to learn to make an act of the will to forgive. And again, an act of the will doesn't necessarily mean that our our emotions are going to come alongside right away. And I told this story before, and I will tell it again. Probably the man who was, whose son was murdered and he was working with prisoners. He was doing prison ministry with a priest. And after the murder of his son, He made immediately made an act of the will to forgive the man who murdered his son. But he told the priest, I can't do prison ministry right now. It's too it's too hurtful. My emotions are too raw. I'm going to step away for a while. Well, he did. And then a couple years later, the priest called and said, look, I could really use your help. Do you think you can come back? And he said, you know, I think I'm ready. I think my emotions are healed to the point where I can. So he went with the priest to the prison. They were visiting a man on death row. And the man on death row described the crime that he was on death row for. And as he finished, he said, I only wish that I could know before I die that the father of the man I killed forgives me. And the layman looked at him and said, oh, I'm sure his father forgives you. And the prisoner thought, oh, you pious, holy Joe, you know, you what do you know? And he he expressed that feeling in in his words. He said, that's so easy for you to say. And the, the man looked at him and said, no, actually, it's not easy for me to say. And he looked the man in the eye and he said, you killed my son and I forgive you. It brought complete peace and healing to both men. The prisoner could go to his death knowing that he was forgiven by the man's father, the man he killed. And that therefore, yes, the father in heaven is truly forgiving to the point that he makes others look like him. Bishop Sheen tells the story about this little boy and and, and somebody says to him, well, I mean, jesus he can't be god because if he were god i mean you know flowers make other flowers and and uh, trees make other trees and i mean if god were god he could make other other people jesus were god he could make other people look like him and yet what happens isn't that what mother Teresa's story is all about the shining the radiating christ mother is he anything like you oh no but i try to be like him they saw christ in her love and the saints all the saints again No, it's not my love. It's Christ's love. And he allows me to to be an instrument of his love to you in this moment. So we bring the love of Christ to the world. And others see that love and they feel that love and they feel the forgiveness. And we have to make an act of the will to forgive. Yes, it's hard. And we need to work on our emotions. And we don't need to short circuit them. We need to acknowledge the hurt when someone's hurt us. But make an act of the will to forgive and give our emotions time to heal. And then at some point, we will be able to totally forgive with our emotions as well as with our will. We're coming up against a break. We're almost at the end of today's show. I really hope that you will go on the opusangelorum.org website and find these new newsletters. They're quarterly newsletters. They're so full of spiritual nourishment for us. Don't go away. We'll be back with more on Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
0: Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Thank you again. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, July the 28th, 2023. Please, please share Virgin Most Powerful Radio, the app with all your friends and families. We do have the Rumble, the Twitter, the Facebook, uh, the Bishop Sheen, um, Full Sheen Ahead channel on YouTube is still there. that are radio stations that pick us up, stations across radio and other, the small radios and local radios pick us up, some of our shows. Thank you so much. Thank you to all of our benefactors, for those who support us financially, those who support us with your prayers, and those who support us with your sufferings, those who volunteer to help us, our staff, our technical support team. Thank you for all of those of you who ask questions through the app. I try to answer them all. If I didn't get to your question, send it in again. I'll try. I'll try and catch up with it. So we're talking about the apocryphal age we live in. How do we respond to this? And, and again, yes, we're living in the end times because the end times began with the messianic age. And the messianic age is the church is the kingdom of God here on earth. Jesus Christ established the church. This is the kingdom of God here on earth. And so we want to live and behave as God as his very dear children. So when we call God as our father, so it's a call, a call to be like God. In addition to being a call, a call to be like God, we're talking about being children before God, right? Because he's our father. And when we call God father, it it bids us to be humble and trusting, to have a humble and trusting heart, the heart of a child or a little one towards its father. Okay, our father, at this name, love is aroused in us and confidence of obtaining what we are about to ask. What would he not give to his children who ask, since he has already granted them the gift of being his children? St. Augustine, when he commented on the Sermon on the Mount, this is what he wrote. God has already granted us to be his children. This is why he called us into being, to share his life with us. You know, he calls us by name and we bear his name the name of his son, we bear the image of his son. In baptism, we receive this. So the providence of our wise and loving father takes care of his children's least needs. So Jesus says to us in Matthew 6, 31 through 33, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Your heavenly father knows what you need. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. So we're not looking for a finality in this world. So our first mode of existence is not to just have the things of this world. What I talked about earlier, not living for a pleasure culture, not living for the things of this earth, not pursuing money, but pursuing God and his will for us. And again, the whole Sermon on the Mount It is so profound and it's a difficult read because it's a good examination of conscience. If I wanna live in this world as if I have a finality in this world and I just wanna live for pleasure and comfort and ease and I don't wanna humble myself before God, I don't wanna admit how much I need his help. You know, often this happens with little children. We get, because of original sin, even little children under the age of five are already telling their parents and, and grandparents or whatever that they don't need their help. Well, they do need the help of adults. And they don't recognize it. And we're the same. So when our little children are disobedient or or acting like they don't need our help, we can humble ourselves before God and say, you know, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being so rebellious. I had a very vivid example of this once I had taken our youngest son and daughter and son to uh, an Easter vigil mass as they wanted to go. But they were both under five or under, and they both fell asleep during the mass. Well, Fortunately, at church, I had some people there who knew me and they helped me get the kids in the car. But then I didn't think about, well, what's going to happen when I get home? And when I get home, they were both sleeping. I'm thinking, how am I going to get them in the house? I thought, well, I'll take the oldest one first. I'll lock the car, run her in the house, put our daughter in bed, and then I'll come back out and get our son. So I, I did that. Ran, it didn't take me more than a couple minutes. Got back out to the car, unlocked it, and I went to pick our son up. And he did not wake up. But the moment I touched him, he began to scream and fight and like he was having a horrible nightmare and just... I couldn't do anything with him. If I'd have picked him up, I'd have dropped him on the ground. He probably would have banged his head on the sidewalk. And I'm just, I'm just like, what am I going to do? How am I going to get him in the house? And all of a sudden I stopped. I had had an inspiration from my guardian angel and the Holy Spirit. And I turned around and I turned away from the car, leaned up against it. And I said, Lord, is this how I'm treating you? And by the grace of God, from the depth of my heart, I said, I am so sorry. And literally. I turned, and it was heartfelt, really heartfelt. I turned back to the car, put my hands on my son. He was perfectly calm. I picked him up, closed the car door, carried him in the house, and he was peaceful. And I thought, okay, Lord, I got it. I'm kicking and screaming, just like God says to Paul. Paul, why are you always kicking against the goat? And how many of us read the Sermon on the Mount? the beatitudes, the forgiveness of of enemies, uh, praying for our enemies, pray for those who persecute you and, and calumniate you, those who lie about you. How many of us are willing to pray for those who lie about us? Yeah, this is what we're supposed to do. Now, that doesn't mean we have to say, well, what they said was true. If it wasn't true, it wasn't true. But we don't have to talk about it and we can pray and offer it to God, offer that suffering to God. All of our suffering can be offered in union, with the sufferings of Christ. I fill up in my own fleshings, Colossians 120, what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. All of the disorder in our family can be offered up for the church, can be offered up for the family too. We live in very troubled times. We live in times where the church is under attack. We live in times where the family is under attack, where the very nature of, Human beings made in God's image as male and female is under attack. But we are God's very dear children. We were made by God for union with God. We are called to behave like God as his very dear children. We're called to love one another, to be merciful as our father in heaven is merciful. Who sends blessings upon those who don't keep his commandments. But in the end, there will be judgment. And if we do not repent of our sins, there is the very real possibility of losing eternal salvation. Jesus Christ died for all sins. He made reparation. He died to make reparation for all sin. But are we willing to accept his death? Are we willing to respond? Do we call God father and then treat our brothers and sisters like they're trash? Do we walk all over them and try to abuse them emotionally or manipulate them emotionally, just use them as objects? You're just here as a fashion accessory or you're just here as an object to be used. You're just here to get what I want out of life. Well, wait a minute. Are we living for God or are we living for ourselves? Each of us has to examine our conscience. We need to go to confession. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord, ask for the grace of humility, Ask for that childlike heart. I know that the the Terry and Jesse did show today talked about St. Joseph of Lezou and the way of spiritual childhood. So you can listen to that. Go back and listen to that podcast today. What does it mean to be spiritually children? Totally dependent. God, we depend on you for everything, but we also trust with full confidence. Holy Simeon in the gospel of Luke, where he says when Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple for the presentation, the feast of the purification. Now, O Lord, you can dismiss your servant in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. For my eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared for all nations, the light to enlighten the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. We're told in that gospel that Simeon was a holy man who awaited the Messiah. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't see death until he had seen the anointed of the Lord. So inspired by the spirit, when Mary and Joseph bring Jesus up to present him to the temple and to offer that the pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, Simeon is told by the spirit to go to the temple now because you will see him. And when he sees the child Jesus with Mary's mother, he takes the child in his arms and blesses God and gives praise to him. And he trusted God, that God's word to him would be fulfilled. Do we trust God or are we complaining and saying, God, how dare you let me suffer? Why are you letting my family members suffer? Why did you afflict my sister with this paralysis or this stroke? Why do I have to take care of her? Why can't someone else do this? And I think I might have just lost contact. Let me just see here. Something went wrong. I maybe touched. Oh, I've got it. I touched the screen and I, I lost my myself here for a minute. So I, I hope I'm back and I hope I didn't, you didn't lose my audio. But the point is, we want to behave like God is his very dear children. We are his children. He is our father. I really encourage you, go to the Opus Angelorum, Opus Sanctorum Angelorum or opusangelorum.org website. It's Opus Sanctorum Angelorum. You can type in, you can find their website or you can type in opusangelorum.org. They're going to have at our um, chapel, at the chapel here in Covina, Sacred Heart Chapel in August, they're going to have a um, uh, evenings of recollection. Um, It's gonna be in August. Let's see, I'm trying to look here real quick. The California retreat is August 24th through 27th. So I believe the evenings of recollection are gonna be before that. So it'll be August, 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, I believe it is. But you can look at our website. I think we have a flyer up that talks about the evenings of recollection. They also have retreats that are available. You can go on retreat to learn how to collaborate more closely with our angel. God is so good. He's such a good father. He's given to each of us a guarding angel. And Jesus talked about that. See to it that none of you despise one of these little ones for their angels constantly hold our father's face in heaven. Let the little children come unto me. For to such as these belong the kingdom of heaven, little children who are innocent, who are trusting, who know that their father will give them good gifts, who know that they totally depend on their father, who have learned to be humble and to, to humble themselves before the Lord. And again, we're supposed to have this mind of Christ in us where he humbled himself, becoming obedient unto death, and therefore God exalted him above every other creature. So that at Jesus' name, every knee shall bend in the heavens, on the earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. 1 Philippians chapter 2, where it talks about having the mind of Christ. So again, I want to thank all of those of you who join us on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Those of you who support the work by sharing the app, by sharing the connections on the social media, by sharing our website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org, who listen to our shows, who support us with your financial help, your prayers, your sufferings, Um, for all of our staff and our volunteers, for those of you who, um, the radio stations that pick us up, and just thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for being a part of this work. Thank you for sharing this work. And please share the Bible study with others so that people know that there is a Bible study. Anyone can join. They don't have to be Catholic. It's just a Bible study. not just the Bible study. It's awesome. It's God's holy word. God's word is living and effective. We want this word to change. We have the power to do so. Please, God, we will share again next week on Bible with the Barbers. And please join us and share this with all your family and friends.